Take your copy of God's Word and open up to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Before we begin this morning, I just want to say, uh, I echo with Leanne and Tim, and I'm sure all the staff here, and if you've been on summer staff, you, you know what it's like. Uh, it, it is tiring, immense privilege. Uh, you always walk in what you think you're doing, at least. Um, and so it's the same for me. Um, thank you for coming and, like Leanne said, taking a, a, a chunk of your time uh, where you could be doing a lot of other things. And coming and listening to a 28-year-old just yell at you for a couple hours. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Um, and I pray that God would go beyond uh, what I have said and what I will say to do an amazing work in your life. Um, even if it's not now, uh, not this week, but I pray that seeds would have been planted that he would cause to grow soon in your future. So uh, we are going to focus on verses 18 through 20 this morning. But just to get a full sweep, uh, I do want to start at verse 10 and just read all the way through. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against or stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you again, for this time around your word. And even this morning, Father, as we look at prayer, we look at prayer in its most fundamental and raw and beautiful form, praying in the Spirit. Father, it is the only way to pray. Paul says to do it at all times. So would you help us this morning through some of my own failures and wrestling with prayer in the last years of being a Christian? Would you use those examples and would you use your text this morning to help us find the freedom in prayer? To 
find the boldness in prayer, the need for prayer. So I thank you for you are good and you are glorious and there is no failing with you. We thank you for your work and for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, Paul concludes this section, this amazing Ephesians with prayer. Now, he doesn't assign it the armor, but I, I don't know what he would assign if he did because prayer is so essential. It would almost be like he would have to say, here's all the pieces of the armor, here's your sword, and then here's a big nutshell to put in because there is everything is inside of this. Prayer is what encapsulates your life, Christian, or at least it should. And I know, I know from years of being a Christian, I know of uh, talking with people uh, this morning. You either feel like it's too dead or that you don't have the right word, you don't know what to say. If I had to pray out loud, I don't know what, what, I, what I would say. Pray that I don't know what to say. Do I have to say the right word for God to hear me? I know that you are concerned with maybe you, don't, you feel like you don't pray enough. I don't think anyone's concerned to pray too much in here. I would be concerned if you thought you did at least. But prayer is a huge part of Christian life. So what I want to do before we get directly into the text is just give you, I mentioned some last night and I realized it's kind of a, um, an ocean. I want to just give you a little bit of my own story um, and my journey with understanding prayer and and use that um, again. Um, I have a little bit, not as extreme as some, I have a little bit of a, an extreme story. Um, this is not more glorious of a salvation than if you grew up in a church, if you grew up with Christian parents and you don't have some huge rebellious stint. Maybe it's coming, who knows? But um, the reality here is this, okay? This is just my testimony and my struggle with sin, or my struggle with prayer and sin, I suppose, too. So, born in not a Christian home. Uh, my dad was adopted into a Jewish family, so I was raised Jewish uh, for the most part of my life until um, I, I started kind of stepping away from that at about nine or ten years old. Uh, my family grew up going to the desert. We, we, I'm from San Diego, California, from Southern California. Grew up going to the desert uh, in the winter and the river in the summer, and uh, I, I had a great childhood. Um, some issues between my parents, of course. And at, and at 10 years old, uh, my parents decided to get a divorce. Um, and it was a, it was a nasty divorce. They split up, and my dad uh, did all kinds of horrible things to my mother. Um, and the divorce actually took about three years um, to finalize. And in that time, when I was 10 years old, I out of San Diego, San Diego, and I was drinking uh, alcohol with my friends and smoking cigarettes. Uh, soon came into uh, uh, smoking weed, and that's what we would do every weekend, just be a weekend thing. And so, into my week, uh, a Monday, a Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Soon I was skipping school, and I wasn't going to school anymore. Uh, and at 13 years old, um, I started to hang out with some gang members. 
uh, got introduced to the gang, got into the gang, and, and started doing some harder drugs. And right around 13 years old was when all that was happening, and my father got into a car accident. Um, he was a general contractor, and he was changing his tire on the side of the road, and some guy just nailed him. And uh, he was in a coma for about three months, and I remember that that just, that just it disconnected me from the rest of the world. Uh, I didn't want anything with reality, and what I wanted to do was get high and high as far as I possibly could. At 15 years old, my mom finally decided that there was something obviously wrong. She had gone through her own trauma, so it's nothing against her. That um, a 15-year-old, she decided there was something wrong, and she sent me off to a boy's home in Delta, Utah. It's like a mile-by-mile-long town. I've never been to a small town before in my life, and this place creeped me out. Um, I, was, I was in this boy's home for about two, almost two years, 21 months. And in that time, uh, I started going to this, this little, uh, little Baptist church. Uh, if, you, if you could put on a good face enough, they would let you go to church on Sundays. And so I would go there mostly because I wanted to see girls because this was a boy's home. So I went to church to see girls. And um, one Sunday, I, I'd been there for a few months or so, maybe, maybe seven or eight months, um, going to this church. And, and one Sunday they brought this man. Um, I couldn't tell you anything that he said or where he was from or what he preached on. Um, I remember at the end that he brought out a guitar and started singing. I feel like it's a theme with Christian guys that they have to play the guitar and they just sit out. No offense, Tim. Um, you, you do a great job. But uh, anyway, at, at the end of this, I wasn't paying attention at all. I'm pretty sure I was falling asleep, and that's what I, I mostly did. If the, the girls that I liked weren't there that day, I fell asleep in the sermon. And uh, at the end of it, um, he just simply said, he was like, he's like, we all, you know, we all pray. It's a good Baptist church, so all of our heads are down and eyes are closed. And uh, he just said, if there's anyone here today that has not known, would you raise up your hand? And I was not one truth. Um, I was a habitual liar. And I had never been truthful with anyone in a long time, let alone even with myself. And in that moment, something happened. And I, I raised my hand. And I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on here. And then he said, and he said, if you don't know Christ, raise your hand. And he said, if you want him to be your savior, raise your hand. And I raised my hand, and in that moment, God completely and 100% saved me. And in that moment, I, I had realized that all of my life, and I know, again, it's not a detail, all of my life, every single thing that had happened was God drawing me to himself. Everything, from the divorce, to the accident, to my drug use, all of that was God allowing to do that, to get to the worst part of my life where I knew that I needed a savior because I was a stubborn, prideful liar. And that was the only thing that moment I was saved. One of the things that I did not know anything about was before Christ, I had tried to fit in with whatever crowd would accept me. And so I was kind of like this I knew I would pick up on link quickly. I knew how to be fake in front of these people and make them think that I was real. And after I was a Christian, that carried over into my life. I quickly became a mature Christian among my peers or among uh, to my pastor. I knew 
that I wanted to preach, um, mostly because in my mind, like, I wanted to be up front. I wanted people to listen to me. Um, it was a horrible, full, disgusting thing that actually, the ministry before, uh, when I was 18 years older, I got scared off. One of the things I picked up on was prayer. I listened how people prayed out loud, and I would just regurgitate some of that stuff. My first experience with, with prayer where I was put on the spot to pray out loud was in that little church. On Wednesday nights, they would have prayer. We all break up into little tiny rooms and uh, with a few people, and we'd all share prayer requests, and then we'd just go in a circle, circle of praying. And I remember being scared out of my mind because this guy over here prayed like I had never heard before. He was using words that were multiple syllables. I, I didn't know, how to, I didn't know how, to, how to compete with that. Picked up on, on the lingo of prayer uh, pretty quickly. I, I graduated that, that after being there for about 21 months and went back to, to San Diego and uh, found a church. Um, quickly ran up right, up right up to the youth pastor and, and told him, I was like, hey, how long are you going to be preaching? He was like, he was like oh, I don't know. We're gonna, I think we're actually going through uh, Romans at the time at that youth group. And, and uh, he was like, why? And I told him, well, I would like to preach. And he was like, this works. He, he told me later that that was the most bold and ridiculous thing anybody had ever said to him before. <laughs> like right after he preached, like, hey, when are you going to be done? Uh, that pride thing was really kicking my butt. But I picked up on Christian lingo, and I thought it was a pretty good prayer, uh, prayer um, until I uh, got married, and I realized I almost never prayed with my wife. I remember one time a speaker talking about that and saying, how many of you pray with your wife in the room? I mean, almost no one raised their hand. And I was like, oh, this is something I guess we're supposed to be doing. And I remember frustrated because I, I didn't know how to pray. I felt like every time I prayed, I was just talking to the wall or I was just talking to the sky. There was, there was few moments in my, my Christian walk where I remember being kind of caught up in this freedom and in this love in the moment. But for all the rest of the time, I felt like I was forcing it. I felt like it was something I, I had to do. So I would just get down on my knees or I would or in a chair and, and I would just sit there or, or stay there until, okay, I'm just going to pray. And then I would fall asleep or then I would get up. Just, it would just be so frustrating for me. One time uh, later on, uh, I had to uh, pray previous church that we were at. And uh, I had been struggling with what real prayer. I want to read you a, a passage that deeply impacted me before we get back to Ephesians. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Part of the reason I was so afraid of praying, because I felt like I wasn't worthy to talk to God. Every person I, I heard talk about prayer, talked, they, they talked like, okay, remember, he's a holy God. It's true. Some of people talk about it. It's just like talking with a friend. It's the same thing. And I just feel like that. I felt so caught up and I'm not a good, I don't know how to pray well. I don't feel like I have all the And every time I try to force myself to pray, whether it's getting up early or carving time out of my day, I, I just, it just felt false. It felt fake. There was no, it's not, not about fire, but there was just no life in it most of the time. And what part of it was my own sin, feeling caught up in my own sin. And so 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I remember, just changed my mind. It says, for the word of, the, of God, oh, no, no, actually, oh, no, where is it? Oh, yeah, um, okay, yeah. For the word of the living God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from its sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, okay? Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in everything just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, here it is, it's actually verse 16, I lied, but therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find help in a time of need. If you are at all struggling with coming before God, don't struggle any longer. It is not about what you have done or what you have failed to do. You have a great high priest, and with confidence you can draw near. I I remember just thinking about that. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Okay, Most of us would be shaking in our boots if we were to go before the president. Why? Because of what he represents, not him, but president, what it represents. Or to go before a king and, and ask any request. Imagine if you had the opportunity and said, yeah, I want you to come before this king. He's, he, he's a powerful king, loving king, but he's with. And it said, come and make a request anything that you want. This passage says, on near with confidence to the throne of grace so we can find mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When Paul talks about prayer in Ephesians, he talks about it in praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Here's what I want to get across to you as clear as I can. Prayer, and I, and I hope that this helps, okay? Prayer is always in worship to God. If you come before God with anything less than that in mind in prayer, you are praying in the flesh and not in the spirit. Prayer is always a response to something that God has put before you or in your heart or on your mind. Any other trying to force prayer to happen is not praying in the spirit, it's praying in the flesh. You trying to figure out the right words to say is praying in the flesh, not in the spirit. Jason Meyer, who's the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, John Piper's old church, talks about praying in the Spirit like, he says, praying in the Spirit is like riding a bike downhill. There is freedom and there is momentum. And there's different degrees of elevation. Sometimes it's very fast and sometimes 
sometimes it's a little more gradual, but praying in the Spirit is like that. Praying in the flesh is like trying to ride a bike uphill. You're grinding the gears. It's more difficult. There's no momentum. And it's all about you pushing your way up to God instead of Him pushing you to Himself or drawing you to Himself. Prayer is always a response. So think back to, to Hebrews 4 there. When it, says, uh, when it says there in Hebrews 4, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Every time you go to prayer, it is a time of need. Literally that word there, when it says help, it's one little word. That, that word in the Greek comes from a, a word that they would use for frapping. Not a frappuccino, okay? Frapping was what they would do with old wooden ships when they would start to splinter and break apart. The sailors would take a rope or they would take chains and they would throw them underneath the hull and then they would bind them down. Wouldn't want to go on this ship uh, for sure, but they would hold this ship together with ropes and chains and it would help keep everything together. Going to God in prayer is asking God to help you in a time of need. And he sends out mercy and grace to bind you up, to hold you together. Praying in the Spirit is always a response, you guys. This is why it's at the end of the armor. Because at every single line, at every single piece, there is an opportunity to respond in prayer. Every time you open up your Bibles and read something, ask God in prayer, what? To help you. Make this impactful to me. Every time you get an opportunity or a prompting reading the word, when something hits you like, man, I don't measure up to that. Don't just close the book and walk away. Ask God. Use that time to respond to him in prayer. When problems come to your door, the first thing you do is pray. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. You need the wisdom of God. You need the power of God. You need the word of God. You need the people of God. You need a pastor of God. You need so much help, Christian. Don't think that you're standing firm because God is together. Don't think because you prayed out loud one time and everyone said, man, that was a really deep prayer that you know the right words now. Prayer is always response in a time of need. When you're depressed, when you're stressed out, when you don't know what to say, when you should have said something but you didn't, go to him. Prayer is not always a lecture. Sometimes it's more like groans. Sometimes you don't have to say. I say this. When him get in fights, they would always pray in bed. And they would get in fights sometimes. And he said, they would kneel down and say, the only word was help. Help us. Help me. Prayer is not about you having the right words to say. It's about you responding in, in help to God. So looking at verse 18 with me. Paul says, with all prayer and petition. That word prayer, the, the root of that word literally means worship. With all worshipful, essential, and earnest prayer, and 
with petition, with asking and seeking and requesting. Pray at all times in the Spirit. This praying is not a time to be strong. Praying is a time to be weak with your Father who will wrap his arms around you, who will send out mercy and grace to bind you up in your time of need. The problem lies here. Some of you don't think you need much help. Some of you have been blessed with great athletic abilities, maybe great minds that think very logically, can put concepts together very, uh, very well. And some of you have been blessed with many other things that give you false confidence because you forget who gave you the gift in the first place. You forget that your mom and dad did not create you. They had a part in it, but I will tell you this. God created you and gifted you with every single thing you have. If you did not have God, you would not have those things. So why would you go into prayer thinking, Why would you go about life without going into prayer? Why would you go about life thinking, I got this. Mom and dad taught me well. Youth pastor got me prepared. I'm good. Friends, we are never good, okay? It's always about going forward. It's always about more progress. And that is the time whenever you're prompted in that way to pray in the spirit. God, I need help. Help me choose this path here or help me with this wisdom there solution to deadness in prayer is understanding that you need God you need anything else in the world that you need his help you need his spirit don't worry about the words don't worry about how well you can put them together and don't worry about how long you pray either I know that you've probably been around people that man can just pray forever, probably. I know that when I started dating my wife, we would go over to their house to eat, and, and her stepdad, he would make the most delicious food in the world, but man, did he pray for like 10 minutes before we could eat it, okay? And I'm not saying that he's wrong, but I'm just saying, listen, it, that, it, it's not about measuring your in prayer by how long it is, how good the words are, how well it's put together, what everybody else is thinking about you. Prayer is meant to be a free time in the Spirit with God as a response in worship to Him. Praying in the Spirit is when God is driving you to prayer and you're prompted by trials, you're prompted by worries, or you're prompted by the Word. A little morning worship session, session is really easy to do, right? You don't have to read 10, 10 chapters of the Bible. You can simply read a few verses, try that verse you're memorizing, and then ask God to help you in that time. Paul goes on to say, and with this in view, with this idea of prayer in view, okay, praying in the Spirit, praying with freedom, praying in the grace of God, with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I would ask you this. How well do you know about what the saints around the world are going through right now? How well are you aware of what saints in America are going through right now? How well do you know what saints in your building are going through right now? 
wherever you live, do you know how to pray for them? Do you know that they're struggling with this thing and so sometimes when you're walking down the street you might see something that reminds you of them and instead of having nothing to pray for, you remember, oh, God, God, the Spirit inside helps you remember, oh yeah, they asked me to pray for that. I'll pray right now. God, help them with this in this time of prayer. How, how often are you prompted because you know the every other but you understand the situation of Christians around the world. So throughout the day, it's not just menial tasks. It's not you just going from point A to point B, from this class to that class, from this friend's house to this parent's house to do laundry. That happens. Um, whatever it might be, how often are you prompted to just How well do you know what all the saints... Now listen... I would, I would say that you, you should be aware of what's going, around the, going on around the world with Christianity. D- don't, don't undercut yourself. There are some amazing things to praise God with, and there are some dreadful things that saints need prayer for. But sometimes it's just as simple as reading a passage in the Bible and praying that passage for every single believer. Father, I know what your word says here. Would you have to be bold in this way? Or to be confident in this way? Or to be humble in this way? Or to be helpful or loving? Or maybe to be a little bit more forceful? Read that word and you pray for the saints. With perseverance and requests for all the saints. Verse 19. And pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. How often do you pray for your pastor? And I know that this is kind of a, like an old school thing, but how many of you guys have those magnets of missionaries on your refrigerator pray for them before you get some food in your mouth? You can't pray for Paul because he's already in glory. He don't need no prayer anymore. But this right here, guys, this applies to every this applies to every Christian you know and especially every person you know in ministry. Think of Tim and Leanne. Think of the people on staff here during the summer. Think about the people that do around this. They're in ministry. They're doing something for God. They're doing something with their faith. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for your pastor. You have, it's October, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, okay? Pray for your pastor this month. I can tell you, walking side by side with some pastors for a while, those guys need prayer. It is no small to open up this book and wrestle with the devil all week to try to proclaim it on Sunday to you. It is an immense task that takes a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of persistence. Pray for your pastor. Pray what? What do you pray for, for Tim and Leanne? What do you pray for the people here? What do you pray for missionaries around the country and around the world? You pray that when they open their mouth, the gospel would come out. What does it say, right? Pray for me that the utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. And in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Every Christian ought to speak boldly. 
Remember I told you that about John Calvin last night? He said, a dog barks when, his mat, when, a, when a threat is outside his house. So is the same with a Christian. Pray for yourself. Today, God, would you help me to be bold? Let me not step away from that invitation to go into this gospel conversation. Be the weird one in class have to. Let me be the only one that stands up for this old and everybody else, else thinks that it's done, that it means nothing, that it is not relevant. Would you give me that confidence to stand up boldly? Would you give my brother or sister that confidence to stand up boldly? Prayer is not some dry, boring, dull thing. Prayer has perseverance in it. Prayer is wide in its scope, at the same time being narrow in its scope and everywhere in between. You can go as big as global in your prayer, as small your circle in prayer. But it is a persistent thing in your life. But if you are not listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm not trying to get weird on you, okay? But you know, every one of you that has a spirit inside him or her knows that there are certain times in your day where you recognize, hear, think of something, and you don't pray. And then you wonder why later they get down on your knees and really pray. It just doesn't seem like anything's happening. It's because you're trying to do it in the flesh instead of in the spirit. Instead of freedom in God where he just literally plops it down in front of you. You're trying to manufacture false prayer life. As a Christian, you will be prompted to pray all throughout your day for multiple different things. When, when I hear Mighty Fortress, gosh, I just, I, I just love that song. And I love the way it makes me pray. Who is he? It's Christ Jesus. Who's this big ancient foe that we can't defeat? It's the devil. Who can defeat him? It's Christ. God, help me to be bold. Help me to walk like Christ. When I read the book, when I read this book, the people of this book, when I, when I read it and look at it, I read through and sometimes I just pray whole passages. Because I'm like, I need this in my life and I need you to give it to me. If you have to turn the radio off for a second while you're driving in your car, or if you have to wake up early to read your Bible, and pray, do it. But listen to me. If you're manufacturing prayer, you will never have joy in your prayer life. I remember hearing people talk about the freedom and, and the joy they have. I, I remember reading about Martin Luther who would spend three or four hours in prayer every single day. He had people working for him that would walk down the hallway to his office and, that, and they would get saved by his prayer. That's not manufactured. That's not false. That's not dry. That's not dead prayer. That's some joyful prayer with his father, his elder brother Christ, who is Savior communion with the Spirit, alone in his room, being prompted by the Spirit of God to pray. That's the kind of prayer life I want. I want to be free in my prayer. I want to be joyful in my prayer. I don't want it to be dry and dead and useless. I want what I do for Christ to count. But the catch is, I can't manufacture it. 
for most of my life, I manufactured who I was in front of people. You can't do that in prayer. In prayer, you must be prompted. So I would urge you, just in closing here, do not quench the Spirit of God. When He prompts you, pray. When you read His Word and something hits you, pray. I cannot tell you how many times this morning alone I had thanked God for something, just a small, quick prayer. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, thank you for reminding me of that. Oh, I need to write that down. Thanks, God. I wish I, I wish I thought about that before. Sometimes when I'm just play, I just remember these children are such a blessing to me. I don't deserve them. In fact, what I deserve is wrath. I deserve hell. Yet God has given me grace this weekend to stand before you. He's given me grace of having a wife, children, and preaching his word. He's given me his son. He's given me all things. He's not held a single blessing back from me. And Christian, that's your story too. You deserve wrath. Yet he gave you his son. Let that drive you to prayer. Let the spirit drive you to prayer. Let's pray now. Father, as we conclude this weekend, we should stand amazed that so great a salvation has been given to us. That God, you've given us your Son your word. You have given us bold and confident access to you through prayer. Help us not to neglect these things. Help us not to push back the spirit that prompts us to and invites us into that family. Help us to get closer and closer to you on this side of glory so that when we make that final entrance, we know that we are home because we have been experiencing it all this time. Let us know your joy and salvation. Let us know our confidence in your armor that you give us. Let us put up that shield of faith and dawn the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and pick up the sword, Father, and go forward praying without ceasing and praying at all times in the Spirit that you might be glorified, that we might use the words of our mouth not just for entertainment, not just for getting in with the right groups, but God, that we would use it to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, how a sinner can get to heaven, how a sinner can be accepted by a holy God that is through Christ Jesus. Let us be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Let us be faithful and effective Christians for your glory and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.